Well, we've been in the series uh, in the book of Ephesians that has been really great. I hope you guys have been challenged by it, as, as, as have I, and I hope you've been reading as well. And so you can read through the whole book of Ephesians, read it over and over again. I did want to share with you guys real quick, um, since, we're, since we're going through it line by line, it looks like we're not going to be able to finish the book in time um, for some other series that we have. I'll, there's some things that I feel like I want to talk with you guys, like uh, November's coming up. Before you know it, and I want to talk to you guys about developing an attitude of gratitude and how we can start really having you know a grateful attitude. And so I want to talk to that. And then and then December's here, and so we want to start a Christmas series. So we're going to take a pause. We'll we'll put a pause on it sometime at the end of October, and then January we'll come and we'll continue Ephesians. Okay, but in the meantime, you guys continue to read what we're reading. We'll be coming back to it eventually. So uh, Barry's just finished reading Ephesians 17. Uh, 2, 17 to 22, that's where we're going to be at. It's super important what we're going to talk about today. I hope you guys can really listen up and uh, pay close attention. It's really important. You know, one of the things that has been hardwired into all of us is the need for a deep sense of family. That's been hardwired into each and every single person here. And with that, there's like this desire to belong. There's this desire to be loved and to be held accountable. In fact, I'm confident here to say that all of us that are here have the desire to be needed and the desire to be known. And I'm pretty confident to say that about everybody that's here. Now listen, whether you're super outgoing and you're really bubbly and you're like a social butterfly and you've never met a stranger, but even if you're shy and you're reserved and you're introverted, you were designed for relationship. You were designed for relationship. We even see this in the book of Genesis. When you read the account of the creation, you read that everything God created was good. Everything that He created. The birds were good. The animals were good. The sky. The stars. There was one thing that we read that God says wasn't good. And if you take out your message notes, I have a verse there for you guys. It's Genesis 2.18. Here's what it says. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be what? For the man to be alone. You guys just circle the word alone right there in your notes. I will make a helper who is just right for him. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the one thing that God said was bad for man was that he was alone. You guys catch that? You see, we're hardwired, guys, for community. We're hardwired for relationship. And I think this is part of the reason why social media is so popular. I think this is part of the reason why, you know, people get on Facebook and Instagram because you can connect with friends, you can make new friends, friends from, you know, around the world, from literally any continent around the world, you can connect with them and you can share certain parts of your life. Guys, we were designed for connection. And today Paul is going to continue sharing how we are all united under Christ and how through Christ, here's what happens, we form one big family. Regardless of race, he mentioned this last week, right? Regardless of race, regardless of color, regardless of nationality, through Christ, we all form one family of God. And this was all made possible because of Jesus. And so as we dig into today's passage in Ephesians, here's the first thing I would love for you guys to write down in your notes is this, that we all have access to the Father. We all have access to the Father. Here's how Paul says it in Ephesians chapter 2, 17 and 18. He says, He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. 
For through Him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Guys, underline the word access right there. And you know, we have access to the Father through Jesus. Now guys, remember that last week we spoke about how Paul is writing this letter to the believers in Ephesus. And the, the believers in Ephesus, they were primarily what? They were Gentiles. You guys remember that? They were Gentiles. And we're still in the same context of that passage. And that's why Paul says, He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away, the Gentiles, and peace to those of you who are near, the Jews. And so we're still in that context. And Paul mentioned that before Christ, they were alienated. Before Christ, they were strangers. They were without hope and they were without God. And to top it all off, since they were Gentiles, they couldn't be a part of the family of God. They couldn't partake in His promises. By the way, as I mentioned last week, the same thing is true for us. For those of you that are far from Christ or are not in Christ, then we're also alienated. Before Christ, we were strangers. We were without hope and we were without God. But you see, guys, Jesus changes all of that. And Paul tells us that in Christ, you guys remember this last week, we're brought near. That we are all one. And so instead of foreigners, we're friends. Instead of strangers, we have become family. Through Christ Jesus, those dividing walls of hostility are brought down. And this is the peace. You guys see, he talks about this peace that, he, that he's talking about is that Jesus is our peace. Not only does He make peace between you and God, and that's a very real relationship that Jesus reconciles, the peace between us and God, but guess what? Jesus also brings peace between me and you, and between those that are different than us. Those dividing walls of hostility are demolished in Jesus. And through Jesus, the key word here is, we have access to God. Paul says we have access in one spirit to the Father, in one, meaning that together, Together, we can have access to God. Now listen guys, it wasn't always like that. In fact, before Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, you know, someone would have to go to God on behalf of the people. And we read through parts of the Old Testament, it's hinted at in the New Testament, because it continued well into the life of Jesus. Someone would have to represent the people and go before God. Not everybody had access to God. In fact, even the temple was structured to keep everyone from reaching the holiest portion of the building. If you guys remember in the Old Testament, there's the, the tabernacle, the temple, the sanctuary, however you want to refer to it, was split up into three parts. It was the outer courts, the holy place, and the holy of holies. Alright, so um, to, to, make it, to bring it down to kind of our language and what we understand, this was the church. So imagine the church is split up into three parts. It's split up into the outer courts, the inner courts, and, and the Holy of Holies, or the Holy Place, and the Holy of Holies. And not, ju not just anyone could enter into those specific places. So this is how the tabernacle was literally divided. Only special priests, after a series of rituals and, and cleansings and being dressed a certain way, only they could enter the holiest place, which was equivalent to being before God. But guys, when Jesus died, when He came and He lived His life, died and resurrected, all of that changed. In fact, something symbolic happened of this very thing when Jesus hung on the cross. You guys remember this picture of Jesus? He's on the cross. He's in the moments of breathing His last breath. And He says, 
It is finished. He yells out, it is finished, meaning that the forgiveness of sin, the penalty of sin was finished, that we don't have to work in order to reconcile our relationship to God. The work was accomplished through Jesus, and then he hangs his head, and he dies. But there's this interesting detail. I wonder if you guys ever read it. In Matthew 27, verse 51, it says this. Suddenly, the curtain of the sanctuary was what? It was split in two from top to bottom. The earthquake and the rocks were split. You see, the curtain that separated from the holy place and the holy of holies was split in two. And that's what covered that place. And nobody could go beyond that place. Nobody can approach the presence of God except for some special people. But this curtain was split in two. You know why? Because Jesus is our mediator. He mediates between us and God. And now through Jesus, we can approach the throne of God directly. We can have direct access to God through Jesus. This is what Paul is talking about. That now together as one, we have access to God through Jesus. That's why he said in verse 18, For through Him, Jesus, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access in one spirit to the Father. So now maybe you're there and you're sitting you're like, Okay, great. I have access to God. What does that mean? What does it mean that I have access to God? Let me share with you some ways that you can have direct access to God. Now, this isn't an exclusive list, but I think it helps you to get a good understanding of what it means to have access to God the Father. You have some fill-in-the-blanks there in your notes. Real quick, we're just going to go through this real fast. You have access to God, it means you can pray to God. You can pray to God the Father. You don't need someone to pray on your behalf. You can actually communicate straight to God. You can confess your sin. No longer do you have to go through a priest or through another religious leader to have your sins forgiven. You can confess your sins straight to God. In fact, the Bible says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. And so you have direct access to God the Father. You can confess your sins. It wasn't always like that. In fact, if you read the Old Testament, priests would have to offer sacrifices on your behalf in order for you to experience forgiveness, the forgiveness of the people. But you can confess your sins. You can pray for others. You can pray for others. If you have a friend or a family member who's hurting or sick or, or they just need some consoling prayer, you don't have to say, hold on, let me get my pastor on the phone. You have access to God. You can pray for your brother, your sister, your family member, your friend, your co-worker. You can pray. For them. And then lastly, to have access to God means that you are gifted for ministry to serve others. Because now that we have access to God, it's not just this one way where we just get access to God. God accesses us. And through the power of His Spirit, He gives us His gifts in order for us to minister, in order for us to serve one another. This is why it's so important that we come together because you can exercise your gifts right here in the context of the local church. To help and love and serve others. And so this is how we have access to God. Here's the second thing Paul says in today's passage. If you're taking notes is this. We are all members of God's family. So first he says we have access to God all together as one. And then he says we are all members of God's family. Look how he says it in Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's 
household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. You guys, do me a favor. In your notes, would you just circle the word cornerstone right there in the verse, and then underline where it says members of God's household. We're going to talk about these two things right now. Now, you might remember last week when we examined verses 11 through 16, Paul used a lot of these same adjectives to describe the Gentiles, that we were separated, that we were foreigners, that we were strangers. And really, anyone who's apart from Christ, that is our reality. But I want you guys to look at the contrast here again. Because of Jesus, you're no longer foreigners. You're no longer strangers. Look what he says. Isn't it beautiful? He says, you're saints, you're citizens. Because of Jesus, we are no longer foreigners and strangers. We are citizens and saints. And I especially love how Paul uses the phrase that we are members of God's household. You know why? Because it pictures, it paints the picture of a home. It paints the picture of a home. You know, but unlike so many homes right here in our community, you know, there's no absentee dad. God is the good father and he's the head of the home and we're all part of the family because of Jesus. Right there where you guys underline members of household, the, the word that they use in order to write that word, there's the Greek word oikios. It's the, actual, the, the Greek word is oikios, but they translate it members of household. And what it means is of one's family, domestic, intimate. I love this because it really paints a picture of family and home. You see, home is the place where you can take your shoes off, right? It's the place where you can let your hair down. It's a place where you can relax. And in the context of family, when you go home, you can be yourself. <coughs> because you can experience a level of intimacy that you don't experience with just anyone, any particular group of friends or co-workers. You know, at home, in my home, the boys walk around without a shirt. And Melody, she does too. We're trying to get her to stop, but she's only five. She doesn't get it. But nobody thinks about it twice. They walk around without, without a shirt until somebody knocks on the door. And when somebody knocks on the door or rings the doorbell, guess what happens? They scatter like roaches. They run to their room. They're like, oh my God, nobody can see me. I have to go put on a shirt, right? Because, because there's a level of family. There's a, there's a level of intimacy that's experienced in family that you just don't share with just anybody. This is the picture that Paul paints here, that we have family, that we have intimacy with God and each other because of our big brother Jesus, who makes us members of the household of God. And this is also why family is so important in the context of the local church. It's so important. Guys, why do we get together on Sundays? Why do we do this? This is why we get together. We make our time Sunday mornings not only to corporately worship God, not only to corporately learn and to be charged up by God's Word, not only that, all that stuff is great, but it's to get together, right? It's to love, it's to encourage, it's to strengthen each other, it's to know that you have brothers and sisters in Christ that are with you for the long haul and for the struggle. And there's something else that we do around here that's just as important or dare I say, maybe even more important, and that's life groups. Life groups are so important. And those of you that have been able to participate in the last two weeks, we kicked it off two weeks ago, we've had two sessions so far. Man, you just, you know how beneficial it is. You know how great it is. It's so important. What are life groups? In case you don't know, 
Well, it's in the name, life groups. It's a group of people that get together to do life together. Right? Because if we're members of the household of God, then doesn't it only make sense that we gather together? What do you call a family where no one sees each other, no one talks to each other, and no one interacts with each other? What do you call that? Yeah, you call it dysfunctional, right? It's not a family. If they don't talk to each other, they don't see each other. And as followers of Jesus, we long to get together because we realize that we have a very real need for community. We have a need for relationship. And because we can best experience growth in the context of community. What happens in a life group? In case you want to know, real simple, food, fun, fellowship, discussion, and prayer. That's what happens at every life group. We share a meal together. We get in each other's lives. We laugh. We, we ask questions and we joke around. And then we get into a time of discussing this, what, what we're speaking about right here. We get into a time of talking a little bit more. We have one key verse from what we spoke about today. And we discuss the things that are on our hearts and on our minds. Because it's much more of a dialogue. You see, Sundays... You know, it's kind of more instructional. You sit down and you listen to me talk, whatever. But, but when we get together in life group, it's, it's more of a dialogue. It's a lot more conversational. Because you have something to offer. Because there's something, you're, you're wrestling with the text. and there's, there's a way that God is talking to you. or there's, a, there's an experience that you have gone through that somebody else needs to hear. And so in life group, only in that context are we really able to experience that. So if you've been coming to Life Group, then I want to encourage you, stay committed. Join us for the last four sessions of this semester. There's only four left. And so we run these things in semesters because we know, you know, it's, you guys work and you go to school and you're busy lives. And so I understand that. So we run a Life Group in semesters. It's only six weeks, two down, four to go. And if you haven't come yet, I just want to encourage you, join us, join us. In fact, if you guys take out your connection card on the back, there's a, there's a little box. Make, put, put it down. Check it off. I'm going to join you at Life Group because you realize that it's so important that as family, we connect and we grow together. And then don't just check it off. Join us. Come Wednesday. Eat some good food. Make some jokes. And share what God's placed on your heart with everyone else. And, and uh, trust me, you're not going to regret it. So when we get together, whether it's Sundays, life groups, or whatever, when we get together, guess what we're going to talk about? Guess who we're going to talk about? Guess who we're going to sing to? Guess who we're going to worship? We're going to worship Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that's what Paul says the members of God's household is built upon. It's built upon the foundation of Jesus. See, it's built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. And I love the way that Paul communicates it as by using the word cornerstone. I asked you guys to underline that, I mean to circle it in your notes. In ancient times, one of the foundation of the most important pieces of the construction of a new building was the cornerstone. It usually was one of the largest, one of the biggest, one of the most solid pieces of the architecture that they would put in. And it was the most carefully constructed in any building in ancient times. And that's what Paul is saying when he says that Jesus is the cornerstone. He's saying that it's, it's the main part, it's the most important, the foundational part. That's what Paul is comparing Jesus to, that foundational piece that holds everything together. And this is why Jesus is so foundational to everything that we do here as a church. This is why we teach the gospel. 
What is the gospel? The cornerstone that Paul is talking about here is Jesus. That's the good news. The gospel literally means good news. And before I can get to good news, you need to know the bad news. And the bad news is that we are sinful by nature and choice. And that sin separates us from a holy God. But the good news is that God in His infinite love for us, He made a way for us to experience forgiveness. Love literally came down in the person of Jesus. Jesus was born. He lived a perfect and sinless life, making Him the only acceptable sacrifice for our sin. And then He willingly laid down His life. He hung on a Roman cross. Then He rose from the grave, granting us forgiveness of sin and newness of life. And the Bible says all you have to do to experience the forgiveness of sin and to experience eternity with God is to put your faith in Jesus. That's it. And so the result is that through Jesus, because of His work on the cross, we become members of God's household. Because of Jesus, we are all part of the family of God. So let's just recap. Paul says, you know, because of Jesus, we have access to God, the Father, he says, because of Jesus, we are all members of God's family. And here's the third thing in your notes. Number three, we are being built together. We are being built together. I would love for you guys to read these next two verses with me. You guys game? Let's do that. I know you're uh, hot. Uh, let's, try to, let's try to do this together, though, okay? There's some cold water. If you guys want some cold water in the back, feel free to help yourselves uh, at any time. Uh, but let's read this together. You guys ready? Ready? Go. In Him, the whole building, being put together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. You guys just underline that right there, being built together, being built together. I love how Paul continues to repeat that word together in this passage. And this teaches us something that is so important, and is that we are better together. We are better together. And beyond the fact that we are better together, guys, we need each other. We need each other. Paul says that the building being put together grows into a holy temple. It grows into a holy temple. And an integral part of our growth and our personal sanctification, you know what's an important part of that? It's not just reading your Bible more. It's not just praying more. It's not just you know, listening to some great podcast. It's each other. We actually play an important role in each other's sanctification and spiritual growth. We need each other and we're better together. We need each other in order to form this holy temple. We need each other. Now, this is really bad news for Lone Ranger Christians. This is really bad news for Lone Ranger Christians. Because some believe that there's no need to get together with others. Eh, you know, the church is all full of hypocrites anyway, so I don't need the church. And you know, many figure that they can listen to some podcasts, you know, every sermon and every preacher and any place on the continent that you can imagine, you can listen to their sermon online. You know, many figure they can wake up early on a Sunday and watch some televangelists on TV. They can do their devotional and read their Bible and think that they have a complete diet in their walk with God. But not according to Paul. That's not the way God designed it. Part of your complete diet, you, you do all that stuff. L listen to messages, read the Bible, pray, do all that stuff. But part of your complete diet is being together with other believers. 
It's experiencing community, both serving and receiving. The commu- this community, guys, it's an important part of your growth. You need it. You need it, whether you want to admit it or not. It's the way we were designed. You were designed for community. Paul also mentions that in Christ, we are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. We're being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. And you can definitely have amazing moments of worship in the presence of God with a very real sense of God's Spirit all by yourself in your room or locked up in a closet or in the shower or wherever. You you can definitely have some great moments with God. But there's something special that happens when God's people gets together to worship God corporately. And it's amazing. Do you guys know? You know, we're, we're in here and it's hot, right? It's really hot in here. Um, I've been to Honduras several times. I've been to church. I've been to a church with no, with no walls. I've been to a church with no electricity. But I've seen the people of God get together. And, and I've seen a guy missing fingers playing the guitar out of tune really bad. And people are just crying and in the presence of God and worshiping God. I've been to churches where there's no floor. It's dirt. And there's no cushiony chairs. And there's no fan trying to rotate some air. And the people of God are worshiping. There's no projector. There's no iPads for the pastor to read their sermon from. And they're worshiping God. You know why? There's a togetherness there. Do you guys understand that? There's a togetherness there. And there's something about getting together with God's people, with all the inconveniences and with all that stuff, but being with the people of God together, worshiping God. Something special that happens when God's people get together to worship corporately. I think this is why the psalmist said this. You know, I would love for you guys to read it with me. It's in your notes as well. Ready? Read it with me. Go. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. The word pleasant there, the, the, uh, the Hebrew word can also be translated sweet. How good, how sweet. Mm. How sweet it is. When God's people get together to worship together in unity. So as I finish up today, I want to encourage you today and, and maybe I want to challenge you, maybe. Maybe I want to challenge you in as loving of a way as I possibly can. You need community. You need it. You need family. Would you consider making Swerve your home so that you can be a part of this family? So that you can be loved, you will be held accountable. You can exercise your gifts and you're going to grow. What if you made that commitment today to be a part of a family? No Lone Ranger Christians, part of the family. Because that's the way God designed us. And the truth is you can try to go about living your life alone. But you're going to be miserable. And, uh, and I feel compelled to, uh, to share this as well. 
What this doesn't mean is that become part of a perfect family because even the best families have arguments, fights, problems, trials, tribulations, right? Doesn't your family? Mine does too. And so when we invite you to family, we're not inviting you into a perfect situation. We're inviting you into a family to do life together to struggle with, to help one another, to encourage each other, and maybe to fight and bicker every now and then, because that's what brothers and sisters do. But then to love each other, to forgive each other, and then to encourage each other into good deeds, into to seeking God, and to growing in your relationship with Christ. What if you made a commitment today to family? question is what if if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus that's that good news that I spoke about before he's that cornerstone and so before you can be part of family you, you, you want to surrender your life to Jesus and if you're on the edge and you never made that decision to follow Jesus listen you are welcome to come here and to wrestle with those questions we want you here in fact and when you're ready to make that decision to follow Jesus we're here for you we want to walk along with you. We want to welcome you to our family. But if you want to make that decision to follow Jesus, on the back of your connection card, we'd love for everybody to take that out right now. Fill out the front. Put all the information. There's going to be a bucket at this table where you can drop your offerings and you can drop your connection cards at the end. Burials will tell you a little bit more about that. But check it off. If you never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, check that off. Make a commitment to family. Join us at Life Group this Wednesday. I'd love to see you there. Would you guys join me in praying? Thank you, God, that through Jesus we have access to the Father. Because of Christ's work on the cross, we are members of God's household. In Christ, together, we are being built. Help us to recognize that we need each other. And forgive us, God, for those times that we've thought that we can do it alone. God, I recognize that we are better together and so I pray, Lord, that you would continue to strengthen that bond by the power of your Spirit. God, I pray that relationships would continue to grow and, and become stronger. And I pray, God, that we would continue to welcome more to be a part of this family and that this family would grow in a healthy way. Lord, those that are on the edge, I just pray, God, that you would help them and heal them from previous hurts and to recognize, Lord, that actually we need each other. We can't do it by ourselves. Thank you for providing Jesus the, the cornerstone who allows this all to be founded and, and held together in him. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.